sometimes Twitter is not good. It's time for Arrested DevOps, the podcast that helps you achieve understanding, develop good practices, and operate your team and organization for maximum DevOps awesomeness. I'm Matt Stratton. We're going to talk about the phenomenon that is tech Twitter today. But before we get into a deep dive into the art of shitposting, a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by CircleCI. Designed for modern software teams, CircleCI's continuous integration and delivery platform helps developers push code with confidence. Trusted by thousands of companies, from four-person startups to Fortune 500 businesses, CircleCI helps teams take their software from idea to delivery quickly, safely, and at scale. Visit ArrestedDevOps.com slash CircleCI to learn why high-performing DevOps teams use CircleCI to automate and accelerate their CI-CD pipelines. This episode is brought to you by Container Solutions, a consultancy that specializes in cloud-native transformation. To help you navigate the ever-changing cloud-native landscape, Container Solutions is running a series of free online events with well-known industry experts such as Matthew Skelton and Victoria Morgan-Smith as part of a newly launched publication called WTF is Cloud Native. To find out more and sign up, visit ArrestedDevOps.com slash Container Solutions. The worst thing about the Arrested DevOps podcast is when it ends. You're left wondering what to do next. What are you going to listen to on your commute home? How do you occupy your time when walking the dog? What are you going to listen to during the quarterly all-hands meeting? But fear not, dear listener, there is a solution. You need to subscribe to Software Defined Talk right now. It's a weekly podcast that recaps all the news in cloud computing, DevOps, and enterprise software. The hosts, Kote, Matt Ray, and Brandon Wichard, will keep you up to date on all things cloud while offering tips on how to optimize your Costco haul and how to PowerPoint. It's a fun, free-flowing conversation that will keep you entertained and informed. What are you waiting for? Subscribe to the podcast today by visiting softwaredefinedtalk.com or by searching for Software Defined Talk in your favorite podcast app. As I said before, we're going to talk a little bit about tech Twitter and the conversations that happen there and maybe how to do it better or at least do it less bad. We've got a pretty decent sized panel tonight or today or this morning. I don't know what time it is where you're where you're listening to the show, but uh, who do I have joining me uh, today? Hey, so I'm Sasha Rosenbaum, and uh, last time I was on this podcast, I forgot to say my last name and my job, which works out okay because I have a new job now. So as of last week, I work at Rat Hat on a team called Mob, which I really like. So doing that mob life at Rat Hat. And I'm Aaron Aldrich. Uh, I have likewise been recruited into the mob at Red Hat. Uh, but I think last time I was here, we were talking about Desert Island DevOps, which feels like a lifetime ago. Welcome to 2021. Did you say Desert Island DevOps? Because a oh, I wish it was island, Desert Island DevOps. A Desert Island sounds way better than a Desert Island. Yeah, I think I said, I don't know, either one. I'll take either one at this point. I'm Jeremy Meese. I'm the head of DevRel at uh, Circle CI. Uh, I don't work at Red Hat, uh, nor am I a member of a mob. Uh, but uh, glad to be here uh, and talk about my favorite thing to observe from a distance, shipposting. And I'm Quintessence Onks. I'm a developer advocate for PageDuty. I like puns and a lot of them. And I also have a mantis shrimp because I want you to Google what that means. Ooh, cool. My name is Kat Cosgrove, and I'm a developer advocate at JFrog. Uh, presumably, I'm here because I thought I was going to rock it to fame by shitposting on tech Twitter, but instead I did it by actually being helpful, which is uh, a move I still regret to this day. How disappointing. <laughs> <Don't we all? laughs> Very. So for some background, um, so sources differ on where this idea originally kind of came from, but uh, Kurt Vonnegut famously had a, re I believe, rejected uh, thesis from the University of Chicago where he kind of went into this idea that there are basically six 
story types. And he kind of graphed them a little bit or talked about them a little bit mathematically. And uh, Christopher Booker has a book called The Seven Basic Plots. And the idea behind all of this is within all of the multitude of stories and books and movies and TV shows and fables and epics and everything, it really boils down to six stories. And so I wondered the other day, are there only six basic plots on tech Twitter? Because it feels like there's really only, we keep rehashing the same stuff. And so that was kind of the genesis of this conversation. And in the show notes, I'll link to my initial tweet around that. And Sasha, Jeremy, Quinn, and Aaron all kind of uh, gave their list of what they thought the the six plots were. I'm going to say, go take a look at them, but maybe let's talk through. And, and Kat just sort of replied snarkily to everybody's instead of doing her own, which is also an effective use of Twitter. Which illustrated the whole point as well. But if we kind of get into that, and I don't want to go and rehash those tweets because they're already on Twitter, but maybe let's kind of start by thinking about what are these common tropes or posts or things that we feel like are retrod again and again and again in the tech community on, on Twitter. I think a big one has to be a white dude gatekeeping. It's usually a white dude from like a startup or he's a startup CEO or he's a VC or something. And he's always got some really terrible opinion about uh, women in tech or uh, boot camp students or something like that. It's always a white dude, though. It's always uh, a CEO of a startup or a VC. And it's always gatekeeping. Those those three things keep happening in one tweet over and over and over again. And we get mad about it. And tech Twitter explodes. And everybody's quote tweet dunking on this guy for 48 hours. And then it disappears. And we forget about it. And the same thing happens again, like four months later. We never Well, that's sort of like they say, you know, you never every there's a main character of Twitter every day. Yeah. You do not want to be the main character of Twitter. I kind of enjoyed my last time being a main sort of character. I don't know if (laughs) Kat enjoyed hers, but um, I didn't. I, I, it's actually, so it's actually like I I had to look up my own tweet because I completely forgot uh, what I posted on the subject, of course. Um, But yes, the, the white dude versus diversity, I think is, is definitely one of them. I, I realized that I just, tweeted something on the subject like a like an hour ago so like yay for me <laughs> but um so what do we want to do with the topics though do we want to kind of talk through the topics or do we want to just like mention the plot lines or well i think i think maybe we could kind of talk about and whether you want to source the work you've already done on twitter for that or we can kind of riff on it but coming to mind like so you know cat kind of said there's the you know kind of privileged, you know, white CEO, white dude CEO that like speaks out of it's his not ass, how we right? did things at Google. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> right. Yeah. At Google, any of those fang companies. I think one of the common Pinkies tropes up. of Twitter is anecdotes equal data. <laughs> or yeah, at least right, belief, yeah. right. You know, it's just yeah. common trouble yeah. of life, right? Like, you know, yeah. anecdata is a, a thing. That I use, by the way. I heard that. I love it. Oh, yeah. Well, so so the funny thing is, like, that's what you you do. Like, when you're in sales or DevRel, what do you do? You tell stories about one particular person or one particular customer or whatever, right? You don't actually tell people, like, 80% are successful with, I'm trying not to name a product. (laughs) You say, (laughs) Susan deployed this thing. And then she was very successful because that's kind of how our brain works, right? Well, that's making it personal. I think like right. the anecdata thing that happens in this case is like somebody makes a statement and it's, well, that didn't happen to me. And that's a, therefore considered a, re- a refutation of that. Right. You know, oh, yeah. like that Nothing must not like, exist. Because my that personal journey. My, did. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. My personal journey didn't have that particular challenge. And therefore there are no challenges. I mean, it becomes empirical evidence, and then any anything to the contrary becomes this big subsection of tweets of people going back and forth and arguing against each other when they're all arguing against something that was somebody's own personal experience. Yeah, right. True. 
And if it's just the trope of it didn't happen to me, that could go right back to the gatekeeping. You're arguing past each other. It didn't happen to me. Yeah. I'm going to say arguing past and each other is call the other big Twitter trope. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you call them out on it, like it becomes this border. Well, I mean, it is, it becomes this, you know, complaining about what accountability is and complaining about, Oh, I've been canceled now because I, you know, I'm some white and it's always some white guy that like you said, cat that's complaining about some injustice to themselves. That is again, back to that empirical evidence, which is it gets, it gets redundant and then it rinses and repeats, you know, 10 days later. Well, and I don't think it always has to be connected to like this personal injustice or whatever, because I think that concept Mm -hmm. of anecdata or whatever can rear its head when you're talking about something like how you deployed Kubernetes, right? Oh, well, Kubernetes is shit because we did this in my organization and it all fell over, right? That's (laughs) anecdata. I mean, Kubernetes may be, but it's not just based on the, you know, your particular, particular thing. I think there's also like some other ones that are because some of those a little bit like just general gatekeeping and awfulness is just kind of part of all of Twitter, but or at least maybe it seems to be. Um, I know it seems like every month or so we need to argue about Friday deploys. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that's a thing that nobody ever shuts up about. I, I'm convinced that joke right. is just never going to die. It can't die, right? Um Speaking of Friday the Boys, it's also should developers be on call? Very related. That's yeah. That's yeah. That's a good one. I think when these two artic- uh, arguments die, I think our jobs will finally be completed in in the DevOps <laughs> transformation. Oh, everyone's done it. Everyone's, everyone's doing done? it now. We can no, finally no, no, retire. No. That is when we define DevOps. When we define right, DevOps, right? That is when, when yes. right, right. only is then will DevOps be dead. Not now when we've come up with a new buzzword. <laughs> like, and then then at that point, will if if it wasn't put on Twitter, will it even have been done? Oh, I don't know. Ooh, well, that, I, that's and very I think, tree falling in the forest. There, I want to kind of d- dissect <laughs> a little bit. What I wasn't Sasha going said. for that, but sure. When we're comparing like the Friday deploy story versus our developers on call, one of the common stories. And it's a common topic, but we don't go back to like, it just sort of gets thrown out there and it doesn't get debated as much, but I feel like the Friday deploys one is a really good example of something that about once a month, somebody feels the need to feel like they're saying something new, right? Like, like also that's, that's a big part, which is like, has it ever occurred to anybody that you shouldn't deploy on Fridays? I I should tell Twitter about that because nobody's ever thought about why this is a bad idea. Or has an opinion about it. So, oh my God, I can't believe people care about that. In fairness, I feel like that one comes by as the like periodic reminder tweet. Like when everyone's a little bit stressed, like periodic reminder, don't deploy on Fridays and stress out your team. And then inevitably charity majors gets tagged and we go back and forth (laughs) about nines and whether or not you shouldn't deploy on Fridays or you should not have to worry about deploying on Fridays. Or maybe there's an intermediary step where you don't deploy on Fridays, even though you're working towards not being... (laughs) It's the journey. And it's just it's literally the same argument every single yes. time, but the same yes. people tagged. But at this point, I'm waiting for someone Google, just to quote t- tweet threads <laughs> underneath the comments. I, I so one more that's very very uh, tech Twitter is front end versus back end, and the funny part yeah. about that is is that it also ends up in gatekeeping topics, even though it technically shouldn't be right. It it should be like a technical sort of discussion, but it always ends up being like women do this and men do that and whatever. Gendered tech Twitter. That's that's what we really need. Tech Twitter also functions as one la- large live stream of status page. Like <laughs> services up, services down, hug ups. We already had our Slack is down right. of the year so far. Four days mm-hmm. in, we That's already right. got that one out of the way. Right. Regrettably, we have not had a Cloudflare is down uh, now we when have, we really need it. It's only it is only a matter of time. I mean, service service parlor is down. That's a service they, kind. They of. went together. They went down. Yeah. Uh, Cloudflare went Cloudflare. down two Julys in a row for like very yep. similar reasons. <laughs> So I, I'm convinced it's like an annual event. We should have a holiday. We can plan our calendars around this. It is this. now. It is now. Just Dude, go ahead. Well, uh, so my question with, with the repeating tropes, though, is actually a lot to do with repeating jokes. Because there is kind of this idea that you need to be clever on Twitter, right? Seen. Like you're, you're not just share information, but you you know a lot of people want to be funny. And regrettably, more people want to be funny than are actually funny. 
Now that being said, that, Matt. the uh, yeah, I, I, I feel I, I feel like there's there's uh, if you think you've come up with a clever joke, you should do. I know. Granted, Twitter search is pretty shitty, but you know you can go to their advanced search. Like, look for it. For example, your clever joke on New Year's Eve about your new resolution for the year is 1440 by 800 has been made, first of all, already a thousand times that day and a thousand times exactly a year before and a thousand times a year before that. You're not clever. It's not new. And it doesn't mean that you have to be the first person to have ever come up with something. So just so we're clear, I'm not saying like every single thing, you know, you can have parallel evolution of content, but like, some stuff it's like you know you know that's 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 not new but you, you know, know you've seen it 15 other times you yeah, know what? I, really i'm going into say... people's imposter syndrome there <laughs> yeah First um all, pretty much that. everybody that made you're... that joke i'm not worried about their imposter syndrome <laughs> i think you're on to something though it's the it's the working joke. hard or hardly working of twitter right like it's the same <laughs> office guy that's got the same he's got a handful of jokes that every person in an office has already heard a hundred times and just yep. walks around the water cooler repeating them but but i will say something matt that you usually say to me which is not everyone goes to twitter every, like fifteen thousand times a day right and so like every joke is going to be new to someone and every now and again i repost something that's completely not mine right and it just blows up because that is the first time that thousand people has seen it or whatever right and i'm like oh okay i didn't realize this was funny well let me put it this way i probably will depend on who made the joke (laughs) and whether or not i know (laughs) they know better and and it wasn't clever um that you know what it makes me think of, and this is not to dig into comedy theory and everything, but one of the big things when I was studying improv in the quote rules of improv, and there's a whole other story, but like the Joe Forsberg used to talk about is one of them was don't try to be funny. And the thing is like, if you're doing an improv, it's incredibly clear when you're cracking a joke and what you get from the audience is a, ah, you get the groan, right? But when yeah. you're funny in the moment, that's the real laugh. So yeah, you, I super now, agree with that. My no, funniest said, tweets I'm, I'm are here. just like intrusive thoughts that I just like vomit out yeah. onto <laughs> my keyboard. It I, works. I will say on Twitter, which is every also now why and you again, get new keyboards all the time. <laughs> I some sometimes on Twitter, I actually intentionally try to be funny, or at least that kind of funny. Like I know people will relate to this kind of thing, but I I will say one hundred percent, I don't joke intentionally in my talks. Every now and again, I will do an intentional joke and I'm always paranoid that it will completely flop and, and, and then it's obvious that it flopped and it's like, oh, God. Um, usually it's more of the, these discovery moments of like you being authentic and then people being like, oh, my God, yes. Right. It's definitely easier to make that comedic risk on Twitter because if it bombs, it just move along in the stream. Right. Like versus on 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 stage. But I will tell you, I had a friend, not a tech Twitter friend actually a friend from high school whose Twitter he built to do comedy. And he probably spent, I think he tweeted about once a week and he workshopped his tweets like all week long, like, and they were very funny, you know, but it was like, that's a lot of work. And the reason that I don't endorse spending a lot of time, like coming up with the exact perfect funny tweet is that the thing that you do all that work on will never land and the dumbass little random thing you fired off as a thought was the, is where you're going to like get all the engagement so like there's nothing more frustrating actually many things are more frustrating than this but when when Probably. you sit there and you're like you know I'll tweet a thing and you know my friends know cuz then I'll text them up like come on that was solid <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Guilty. Good, Guilty. Right? Come on. Come on. Yeah, I've done yeah. that. Yeah, I've done I need, that. I need at least well, you, you, go to your friends friends like, you, well, yeah, you go to your friends and are like, why didn't you like that? Well, go to your friends and say, why didn't you like that? Or did nobody see it? Or please click then the you, button. Then you have the overheard <laughs> tweets and everything just. Com- so 100%, you, like. you don't see that though. Like, so Twitter has this thing for sure where, like, if no one likes your tweet in the first like 30 seconds, it's not going to take it. off, even if it's great. Like, it's just like it gets downgraded in the algorithm. The other thing that pisses me off is that YouTube, Spotify, uh, Vimeo, anything oh. that has video or music on it gets discounted 100%. And so I can never share music because it will get like 
literally no views. Like whenever I look at that, I'm like, they only expand like a big thing. 20% of YouTube links to you. It's terrible. Doesn't it do it for TikTok? Yeah. So they have saying, no, it does not. TikTok does not get downgraded. And native Twitter video actually gets more likes than uh, you know yeah. anything else, mm. which is why I post because they so what you're saying actually treat it as a first <laughs> class citizen. Saying, so what you're saying, Sasha, is that you need to have like a a separate account that is hooked up to like IFTT, so that every time you tweet, it immediately likes it. So that you get that within thirty seconds. I, I think right? you need more than it may not like. work. I don't know. Like may, maybe like they have something against bots. No idea. We should but, workshop yeah. that. I mean, I heard some people lost like ten thousand followers, so they might have stuff against bots. I don't know. That's well, right. Now they do. <laughs> now they do. <laughs> I so I will say I am. Bots. I am on Twitter for about. 11 years if, if I trust my account. I, I made thought it you were going to say 11 hours a day, which would <laughs> so not have surprised me. Which is so about, <laughs> right. Yeah. No. So, but what I was going to say is like, I made the account back in the day because a customer wanted an app and I wanted to test the Twitter API. That's how it happened. And then I was never there except for when I went to DevOps days and then I tweeted about the DevOps days I went to. Um, and then like, whatever two years ago i got a semi devrel job and then i now i live on twitter it's an interesting pivot <laughs> so it it, it it's a it's very a interesting it, it's a community though like you know it because yeah. i used to get like secondhand things from matt about twitter drama like <laughs> you know and now i get it firsthand and it's like oh <laughs> part of the in crowd now so and, and this is a place I'm going to kind of dig into a little bit because we've made some references to shitposting. And I'm pretty sure that the way that the term shitposting, specifically within tech Twitter, has evolved is different than what shitposting originally meant on forums. Um, so like what? So let's just kind of start with that. Like if we're talking about Twitter shitposting, like how would you define that? And and Hot what takes. does that mean? Hot takes. So. I still wish there was a better word for it. I don't like shit posting because, because like I learned about you, Matt, that you also don't like poop jokes, and like <laughs> just to me, I wish there was a better word for it. Yeah, I agree with Q. It's it's shit posting is um it's hot takes or like uh non serious statements about tech or whatever that take something too to an extreme, uh, like. To such an extreme that it becomes a joke, uh, but it, it can't be serious. A shit post cannot be serious. It cannot be a real thing. It has to be intended to either make somebody laugh or make them go, "Oh my god, that's like so stupid. Why would you say that?" Or something. It it cannot be a a true factual statement that is intended to be taken seriously. It should be well, nearly what I intend- do is everybody's jumping in. <laughs> I think it should be the, the key aspect is it should be nearly void of valuable content. Yeah. I, sometimes yes. I try to say something I, serious and people take it as should posting. I just <laughs> Okay, but Sasha, you have a brand now because you spent all these years of DevRel building that Twitter brand. There you go. That's right. Well, and I think there's an, an aspect too of shit posting that like is is all almost like a purposeful troll and the you you purposely drop a statement and then you walk away and let the you know it, it's it's you're starting something you just walk away and and let it explode like i feel like there's some people out there that that's that's kind of their brand of shit posting um nobody in this group but the, dropping that and then just walking away and letting the fires burn and then coming back and you know and maybe that comes back to the the white guy uh, accountability piece of like, oh, I didn't mean that, but I, I see that repeatedly. Sometimes Twitter is not good. <laughs> that's, that's it. Uh, there you go. That's there's your. A, that's the takeaway for the day. Open. Joe, there was the Sometimes Twitter open. is not good. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> okay, and right. it was it was Twitter perfect sucks. for Joe's editing because there was a good pause right before and right after, so he could just. <laughs> <laughs> just clip it you're welcome um, i feel like that was a shit post for the, the it was yeah 
So that, but, that but kind like, of- on a serious note, though, like sometimes Twitter is perfect. Like sometimes it's absolutely great. You know, um, like I, a lot of people complain about Twitter. I think, like I said, Twitter is a community, right? And I, I find support and help and hugs and cat videos and whatever. And yes, some days it's awful, but like most days it's good. And that's why I'm there. Full disclosure, I did just tweet, sometimes Twitter is not good just now. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. If you get clout off of that, uh, I, I'm going to take a, a cut of your new followers because I'm trying I need to beat my boss. A handful of new followers that I don't drop below my recent uh, landmark of 1,700, which is I'm holding on to them for dear life, but I just okay. lost like five. <laughs> There's another, another that trope on Twitter, which is the hot take that's not a hot take. Like you'll see oh, a lot of those people be like, cold take. Like hot yeah. take, blah 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 blah, and the it's replies are cut. all that yeah. take is not as hot as you think it is. Like when you when you tweet a hot take that everybody agrees with, and this con- hot takes are supposed to be contrary to conventional wisdom, right? So when you tweet, if your right. hot if your hot take is conventional wisdom, it is not a hot take. Well, that's the that's the uh, the paradox of the unpopular opinion Reddit thread, right? Like like it's all unpopular opinions, but only the most relatable ones get to the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the overused hot takes? Like when people going back to what we already discussed about Deploy Fridays, when it's so overused that you people may have strong feels, but kind of because they've had this discussion before. Like, is it still a hot take, even if even if they're riffing off of it? I don't think it's a hot take anymore. I think that it's it's lukewarm. It's a room temp take. You know, that's that's where I'm at on that room temp. Makes sense because people are still going to argue about it. You know, like there's always going to be somebody like somebody who follows me, who has seen me have the cast iron argument a thousand times is still going to show up and tell me that uh, I killed their grandma personally by saying (laughs) that you should wash cast iron with soap. Right. Every fucking time somebody is going to do that. But I, by the I've way, I washed arc- cast iron with soap. I just want you to good. know that. I don't think good, I said good. It. You should. I, did it last night. You should. I avoided it by I, just not buying yeah. cast iron. <laughs> oh, well, you know, that's fine too. It's not actually well, like I mean, it's fine. If you don't want to cook, yeah. I mean, if you don't want like a really good hard sear on your steak, then like, you know, yeah. whatever. But uh, <laughs> people see me have that argument all the time. They know what I'm going to say. They still get into the argument with me. Uh, it's it's not a hot take for me when I say you should wash and cast iron with soap because I've had that argument like three million times. It's lukewarm, but people are still going to fight with me every time, which is what means it's not cold because people still disagree. It, it's hot button issue, right? I don't know if it's a, like if it's a different thing than a hot take, but it's a hot button for it and people feel strongly about it for whatever reason. I don't know. But so I actually, since we're talking about shit posting and stuff, I actually want to hear y'all's um, takes on, do you argue with people? Cause I figured out just when I came on Twitter um, and like started getting some followers that if I try to argue with people, then I get very mad and very like obsessed with it and upset about it. And then I think about it for like a week and I that's mean, terrible. And why would I need that in my life? And then if someone says the same terrible thing, but I don't argue with them, then I can forget about it in a couple hours. And that works a lot better. So I don't know if that's what you all do or if that's different for you. Hashtag it depends, right? It depends on the visibility yeah. and what they're saying and if it's harmful, if it's not. I usually yeah. only engage in anything that resembles an argument if someone said something like awful to someone. If it's just hot takes or whatever or my bad opinion on stories or 10x engineers or whatever, I, I'm i just like, that's cute, I guess. Yeah, and, if it's something that's like, yeah, if it's something that's like actively harmful, then... I have a shitload of Twitter followers now, so I have like a responsibility or whatever and a platform. So, uh, you know, like Matt and Sasha can relate to that. Sasha has more than me. I think Matt does still. Uh, I'm still I'm still going to see if you're going to beat me in the next like um, before Cube gone, because I think that's going to happen. It doesn't doesn't matter if you've got a lot of followers, if they all mute you. Ask me how I know. If you're oh, not careful, no. you're going oh, to become on. part of the yeah, discourse. Like, yeah. The discourse. But yeah, I think if, Twitter. It's, if it's something that's actually harmful, I will get involved in that argument. I will like, yeah. 
I will use my followers to, or, or, well, I will use the fact that I have an audience of almost 13,000 people to broadcast that like X thing is not okay. It is, it is harmful. And it's, it's an easy way to tell 13,000 people that I'm not going to tolerate whatever shit that is. But if it's like a crappy hot take about like 10 X engineers, I'm not going to get involved with that. Like that's been done so many times. I I just want to, one, one thing I just wanted to clarify that I wasn't talking about like arguing with a hot take like you shouldn't deploy on Fridays because that to me is not a loaded like it's not a triggering thing. But arguing with someone who is like being an ass to you over something like yeah, all these people who pretend like they're engaging in a conversation with you where really they're just trying to draw you out and like piss you off, which happens too much. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so like I. You all know that I will um, rant about it offline, but I will not engage with these people because I don't want to get engaged with these people. Well, that and it gives them the opportunity that's to where, play back. Yeah. Right. Where you can just bury it by not replying. Like I'll look at, if I if I get a reply to something, I always tend to look at, um, like click on their profile, see who they are, look at a few things to see that they maybe tweeted and get a feel for very quick. I'm not going to spend like hours delving into their profile, but just a quick take on, are they for real? Are they, you know, real? Are they actually, you know, in good faith coming back with something? Uh, That's and whether thing. or not I'm going to say, right. And like, whether or not I'm going to come back. Cause if somebody comes with a good, good faith argument back, I'll, I'll engage back with that. But too often you get somebody just drops that, their own what they feel is a hot take or some snarky yep. reply, and I just just ignore it. The, so I was going to say difference I, is it's in public versus in in private, mm-hmm. right? So we have to think about and and I'll, I'll just take the step away and 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 Sasha, I know you were talking about when someone was like making a non good faith argument, but just sort of say in general when you're saying, okay, do I reply to this? Do I engage? Sometimes you're engaging for the benefit of the person you're replying to. And sometimes you would be engaging for everybody else that's standing around you watching you have this argument if because that's the metaphor, right? It's as if we were at a conference or somewhere and Aaron and I started arguing, but y'all were standing around and listening, right? So to a little bit, so that metaphor is working for me so far, a little bit to Jeremy's point of like, how many people are listening, right? First of all, if I don't think a lot of people are listening, then all I'm going to actually do is raise my voice. And by being louder, now other people around are going to go, oh, wait a minute, fight, fight, fight. I'm going to come pay attention. Or if a lot of people were listening, then it maybe becomes important. Or again, is this someone who is a, it is a good faith question or whatever. And that's rarely going to be anything connected to some of the topics we talked about, but I've definitely (laughs) gotten to arguments or had replies that are about things like putting engineers on call or how to do retrospect or things like that, where it might be like, you know what, if I correct this or have a discussion, not only will the people standing around get something out of it, but so might you. But if nobody's really, if there's quote, nobody really listening and all it's going to do is make me attract more attention to it and also probably make me more angry, then it's time to take that to like, you know, your group text with your buddies and get it out of your out of your system there, maybe, right? Yeah, I'd say it's the it's the three levels of argument, right? Like as a white dude in tech, there's some obligation to publicly call out other white dudes in tech with bad takes, right? There is a yeah. point to say like this is not acceptable in this space. And not only is it not acceptable because other people say it is, but like also I agree and I look like you. Um the the second is like good faith arguments. I will have those just for the sake of having interesting discussion and maybe have them loudly so that other people can gain something out of it if we go back and forth, right? Like if there's a good faith argument to be had and we're hearing each other, it's worth with continuing. But like the second it comes back with a bad take or someone's clearly not listening or just trying to press buttons, then forget it. It's it's not worth having. And I've been sucked in. I think we all have been sucked into the like someone is wrong on the internet like combination, but yeah, for the most part, you have a better life if you can drop out of that. Oh, that's the number three comic. That was three. Well, that was three. So there's there's like the call out, the good faith, and then there's bad faith where you can just walk away. I got drink. I I will say so to the public responsibility and how many followers you have. Share. I think her her handle is share.dev or something like that. Um, 
she had at that point about 14,000 followers and she posted at one point, um, like wrote a, a nice blog post about what does it mean? And she had this like stadium, you know, full of people. It's like, this is how many people, like, this is your megaphone. This is how many people are listening to you. Like you have a responsibility. And I, at that point, I never thought I would have almost 14,000 followers, but I do now. And I'm like, oh, I guess, yes, you're all like very on point with that. Whatever we say kind of has an impact. And and it's not to the, like, I, we're not famous. We're not even tech famous. But um, at the same time, like some folks are listening. Some folks are taking cues from what we do. Yeah, there was something I said when I had uh, 4,000 Twitter followers that didn't mean anything. Uh, it didn't It didn't have any weight. Uh, it was in a thread explaining like a change to an upcoming change to Kubernetes that had created a lot of drama. Uh, people were people were panicking, people were scared, people didn't understand because people don't understand Kubernetes and users, devs don't touch it, so they don't understand it. So I explained something. And at one point I said, uh, Docker's not dead yet in parentheses. And when I had 4,000 followers, when I tweeted that, that was just funny. It was just, it was a pithy tweet. It didn't mean anything. It carried no weight at all. But 36 hours later, I had almost 12,000 followers because of that thread. And that pithy tweet about Docker suddenly had weight. People assumed that I worked for Google. People assumed that I was a Kubernetes maintainer. People assumed that I worked for Docker. All kinds of assumptions were made based on the fact that I had 12,000 followers and I said something about Docker. And it was really, really weird to go from like, I'm effectively nobody on Twitter to having a voice overnight and having a tweet I made when I was nobody have a shitload of impact because on Twitter, you don't have context. There's nothing that says this tweet was made when this person was irrelevant or like, this is what made this person relevant. There's no, there's no context at all. So you do have to be like super careful. Don't scare me. I'm already paranoid. (laughs) I'm sorry. Out of context. I'm well, I think I'm small fry right now. Well, I think that goes a little bit to like, sure, and I know it's same. complicated and, and, and there's more to it, but as your audience grows, it does. And I, I hesitate to say that it should, but I think for your own mental health, it should reflect upon how you use the medium and, and knowing who that audience is. And that's one of those things. That's why people have private Twitter accounts when they have huge followings and they, they need to be able to have a place where they can feel like they aren't speaking to Wrigley field when they're talking about something all the time and be able to have that be in a place to do that. And I think it's, it's hard and I, I can empathize a little bit because I, I, I know people who are, you know, have, you know, eight, 10, a hundred times as many followers as any of us do. And we'll say like, oh, but I should be able to just say whatever I want. Yes, you should. But also for your own kind of personal mental safety, like have another play, the same thing. Like you can have, you know, like uh, I'll make a bit, bit like, you know, Chris, Chris Cuomo on CNN speaks to millions and millions of people when he's talking about just what he wants to talk about as a person individually. He talks to his family, right? He doesn't he doesn't say that on CNN because there's that many people listening this is that's probably a really bad metaphor, but I think it goes to that, which is to say when you again, it's like like Sasha alluded to with Cher's post, it's like you are speaking to a stadium of people and they don't have the context. They don't have all of that. So I I know as my audience, which yes, it's a lot, no, it's really not, um ha- has grown, it's certainly dialed back how some of some of the more kind of personal things that I'll do. And I don't think that's self-censorship. I think that's just, I wouldn't say that to 10,000 people. Like I might say it to a smaller group. Um, so it's, 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 it's tricky. I, I will say something that irritates me slightly is when people have in their Twitter bios, opinions are my own. And I'm like, no, they're not. Like if you have more than zero followers and you tweet publicly and people can't take screenshots of that and you work for a company, someone can take it out of context. And we all know stories when it happened. Right. And like, no matter what you think, whatever you say can be 
used against you tomorrow um, or against other people, right? Or, which is worse. Um, and Kat, you reminded me of like, I, I got in trouble once for something that I said on a podcast that went on Reddit and then blew up and like, I was like, Oh, okay. Oh no. <laughs> like, oops. <laughs> Oopsie. Yeah. I don't have, uh, opinions are my own in my Twitter bio anymore because I don't, I don't think it fucking matters. Like it's not actually a legal disclaimer and nobody gives a shit if you put that in your bio and then say something awful on Twitter so well yeah. it's just at, there's at some other point, stuff just, anybody who is going to not just like the default position is your opinions are your own unless it is your company's twitter account yeah you are not speaking for the company uh that being said that right. doesn't mean that it, it's sort of let me put this way okay i'm gonna make another really bad metaphor it's kind of like on on a site like tinder or something where like People will put like, I'm not here for a one night stand, not here for a hookup. You can swipe left on that or whatever. And I'm like, trust me, the dudes that are looking to harass you like that way on Tinder, they ain't reading what you wrote anyway. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They, don't right? like like they just like they just went your profile. They skipped over it. Not you put your pronouns there and then they move. Nobody, nobody that it. wants to go after yeah. Quinn for something she tweets and say she's representing her company is going to then look at her profile and go, Oh, she says her, her comments don't represent pager duty. So, okay. Oh shoot. I was going to be an asshole, but I guess I won't. Never be. mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, had, Assholes are going to asshole. At some point I had opinions are deterministic, but then I ran out of characters in my profile and had to delete it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Somebody did I, I recently will say, ask me if I've gotten in trouble for anything yeah. I've tweeted. Like if anybody at work has approached me about the content of my Twitter account. Uh, this was after I had gone on like a 48 hour angry tirade about fascists or something. And I didn't, this was a coworker was asking me this and I was like, you know, no man, like first it's my personal Twitter account. It's not owned by our respect, our employer. Like they don't, they don't get to have an, an opinion on what I tweet about politics. That's not, that's not how that works. The I can't say anything hateful yeah. so far. The, the only good disclaimer of any kind like that, a friend of mine had in his, in his work email, no less at a bank uh, years ago that said, and it was written in like, very much the feel of like that boilerplate, like long disclaimer that you have. And it, it basically said something to the effect of by opening or replying to this email, you agree that all of my opinions are correct. Ooh, <laughs> I'm putting that in my work email signature. So that. That's awesome. That. I'm so taking good. that. Yep. Yep. Whoever I, that was. I love thanks. that because it is yep. <laughs> the perfect concise way to take all of those like, this is legally this binding because I've typed it on the internet. All of those tropes yeah. and copy pastas are, yeah. are taking a task and it's, in one it's line. perfect because most and people, your eyes are going to end anyways. Your eyes are just going to glaze over it because it looks exactly like the, you know, hold harmless or whatever kind of thing. But then if you look at it, you go, ah, yep. yeah, so good there. Oh yeah, I'm definitely doing that. that. I have uh, my working hours may not be your working hours. Please don't feel obligated to reply to this email immediately in my signature. And people people like that, but it's also not funny. So <laughs> I found I, it to I make, be yeah. a useless phrase that I tried to use the last time I worked at a global org. And I was like, please do not reply to this. I recognize it's 2 a.m. your time. Please ignore this email until your working hours. And five minutes later, I got a response. Yeah, I solved this by never sending anybody yeah. email ever. It's well, mm. I mean, Slack messages, email, it's all kind of the same. And they're all bad. Just don't talk to every I, talking I is bad. My favorite, just don't do my favorite thing, and you can steal it if you want, but uh, my out of office replies are uh, valid, Jason, and nice. uh, people love it. Like that, that was, yeah, always. I will, I will plus one that Sasha has the best out of office replies. Uh, <laughs> and even Sasha after years of vacation. getting them, they're still, they're still clever. Uh, let's I I, maybe let's take a minute or so two to be like a little practical. So we kind of have been kind of all over the place, but if we kind of think about, you know, we're, we're obviously all people who enjoy using the Twitter have maybe had some positive career things connected to it. It's been helpful to our careers, whether not necessarily advancing our career, maybe, but like for doing our job and stuff. But I also find that people who aren't like professional Twitterers, don't necessarily know like all the life hacks of using Twitter um, to be able to handle things. So like you might be, so if you're a listener, that's kind of a more casual Twitter 
user that uh, I think there are definitely things you can do to make it a little um, more useful, a little less obnoxious. So maybe we can kind of go around and see if anybody, like what are your top twit, top twits, your top tips for using Twitter in for tech? Twix. Tips for twits? Twips? Tweeps? Yeah. What, what are your twi- you oh my god tweeps Twitter. I hate tweeps 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 bothers me beyond belief it was really <laughs> popular as a way to refer to Twitter users like about ten years ago they'd be oh, like yeah, tweeple yeah tweeps yeah oh, so but, 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 but I like Twitterers though Twitterers yeah Twitterverse sorry oh Twitterverse yeah yeah Twitterverse anyway yeah give give, give our listeners like your top tech Twitter usage tip. What are your twop, uh, twack, Twitter twips? Your twops, twops. If you if you are uh, if you are not a man, and you get a filtered DM, as in like a DM from somebody uh, who you do not follow, and the first message is just "Hey," don't respond to that. Do not do not respond to that ever. Don't respond to it. It's not worth it because like a not insignificant. It's gonna be a out of the time. It's gonna yeah. It's it's gonna it's gonna be an inappropriate photograph. So just don't, just don't, don't do that. So if you are sending a DM to someone that you aren't, doesn't follow you, that is of the non-male persuasion, maybe don't have your first, even if it's innocuous, don't have your first DM be, Hey, yeah, no, include the follow up. If you're sending a DM to anyone ever, don't have it just be, Hey, don't have it. Also also don't start with, I'm not a creep. That, oh that yeah, I'm not a creep. That means <laughs> I am a creep. 100 percent of the time, I'm weird. Yeah, like I'm not a creep, but feet pics. Yeah, feet yeah. pics. <laughs> picks, yeah, feet so, pics. Fifty bucks. Feet pics. I will say picks. my teeth pics. I, I have to kind of um, add to that. Like my personal DMs have been closed forever, ever. Like you can only DM me if you follow me. That's always been like that. And I know every now and again, people are like hey, you know, you would get more opportunities or whatever. If people want to reach out to me for legit opportunities, they tag me on public Twitter or they find my email, which is easy to find. Um, And like, I just like, I don't need that in my life, I will say. So this is my recommendation. If you're not a man on Twitter, then maybe don't even have your DMs open. (laughs) However, you are a man, you can leave them wide open and no one's going to DM you just for the record. I have seen, though... I'll DM you, Aaron. Spam from four men. <laughs> it's just hey, I'm deleting it immediately. <laughs> bots offering sex, by the way. So uh, well, I, get those. A, I, I have get a follow up question. Those, right. yeah. I have a follow up yeah, question yeah, yeah. to to Sasha's. Like, if you want to get a hold of me publicly, tag me. That I'm going to ask in a minute. But I do want to to kind of get through some more some more tips. I would say one thing that I highly recommend as much as possible, and you have to keep pounding Twitter over the head to do it this way, but keeps resetting your preferences to show tweets in chronological order. I think, I mean, um, and one of the tricks, if you want to enforce that uh, is to use a list. So lists never are lists are always chronological. So if you have a button, that's another kind of top Twitter tip is you can follow lots of people, but I, I like having a list of like, these are, this is my timeline, you know, and you can make it a secret, a private list. So people don't know that you have a curated timeline, but that way I can follow thousands of people, but maybe there's about a hundred accounts that I want in my face all the time. And I'll still look at my whole timeline, but the other advantage is that list is always going to be chronological. It won't hit the algorithm. So, but the other, the downside is then you have to like, remember to manage that list. So the other thing you kind of have to well, hack into a little bit with Twitter is if you find that your feed is very monochrome, you might be following a bunch of white dudes. It's not your fault. There's a lot. But if you want to follow not white dudes, initially you have to find their accounts, find the tech leaders that are not that are, you know, not white or not can, dudes or both. Amazingly. And if you if you kind of do that exclusively, even just for a couple of weeks and you start top loading how many people you're following Twitter's recommendation algorithm will start to find them for you. And it might actually be helpful. I also want to follow up 
on that with I believe in not just following the big names because it, it kind of pisses me off that we're all like following the same, you know, 20 people, whatever, right? Or a hundred or a thousand. Um, and I I used to follow everyone back and so it got like really, really crazy and I had to drop it, um, unfortunately. Uh, but um, I do believe like when I have positive engagements with people, like it doesn't matter if they have five followers or 50,000 followers to me. Um, you know, we're not, it's ironic that on one hand, like there's this thing where, where like the Twitter famous is, is a thing. And then at the same time, like it, it really doesn't matter. I don't know. I had a better phrasing for this, but anyway, I, I want to say like, if we, if we're asking for a Twitter tips, it differs drastically if you have under a thousand followers versus if you have like more than that. And, and, and so Matt, I kind of want to be like, which one are you asking for? I'm, I'm actually not talking about like tips for being more effective on getting your message out on Twitter or whatever. But if I want to consume Twitter and I want to have a good experience of consuming Twitter and then, and engaging with people versus like, yeah, that's a whole other, there are thousands of podcasts dedicated to nothing else. <laughs> I don't mean episodes of podcasts. I mean, actual podcasts about like how to post better on social media and stuff. I'm thinking about like, if you want to have a good experience as part of the Twitter community or get information by using Twitter, like what are some good hacks or, you know, tips or things? I'd say, I'd say Sasha's point still kind of stands though, because as someone who has a thousand or less or whatever it is, Like, I don't have to do any level of grooming or concern for the most part. Please don't let this podcast be my death now. But like, with regards to unsolicited DMs that are basically minimal and usually sales related, do you want to buy our Kubernetes project? Can you get us into PagerD? Whatever, right? That's usually, and it's pretty benign in my unsolicited DMs, right? I don't have the concerns that like the Sasha's and Cats or Ian's have on Twitter is an experience, yeah, to be clear, I wasn't saying that that wasn't a valid qualifying question. It led me into the second qualifier, which was like, what are we talking about? Yeah, but then it would be, I would, I would put it, I would put it then also to your average sub 5,000 follower Twitter user, you know, if that helps yeah, it, you decide think- on the tip you want to share with us, Sasha. <laughs> I think Jeremy and Aaron are feeling cold out right now. But <laughs> what are, what was that? What's that supposed to mean? Like he, uh, he said, average under right five thousand followers. It, this is fine. Wow. Um, yeah. You, yeah, I, yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so I would say, like, so Matt's point around like lists, I think, is is really good for kind of having a good experience. One piece that I found was was really helpful. Um, is on the mobile app. You can actually pin those t- those lists, so it's easy to to scroll. It, it's a l- you can't do it on on the uh, on the web version, but you can you can do it to where you can see uh, and just you know flick side to side to get a little bit better into your timeline. So that's one piece. Second one, um, I think, is for me at least. It's it's been good to. Um, build my own lists themselves uh, of the people that I really, you know, like Matt said, like that, that has been helpful. And then the other one is definitely DM um, Aaron with just, Hey, like that's just going to, that that Mm -hmm. gives me a good experience no matter what. Uh, I was going to say there's, there's uh, lists are actually an interesting point. So I think there's two directions with that, that lists become really beneficial if you're actually building a Twitter following and trying to work with that. Because like follows become this weird pseudo endorsement if you have enough clout of like this person says interesting things and so you should follow them and that's why they have lots of followers. And so like if you're engaging in the Twitter thing and you're becoming part of the Twitter thing, your follows become less of a useful list of people and become more this weird tool to like endorse things that you like. And so I think that's when lists become really useful. Like because on the other hand – I tend to manage it by just only following accounts that I find interesting and eventually removing ones that don't provide me valuable content. 
I also recognize that probably is why I don't grow followers incredibly fast, right? Because I don't do the whole follow back thing and continue to boost the algorithm. So like those are the two sides of that. If you want to like engage and do that, like definitely engage lists and like follow everybody. But if you don't really care, like you just curate your follows. Well, and I think the list can also help yeah. just from the perspective of like sure. having having a, a subset that is like this is just like friends and personal, you know, because like maybe yeah, some, yeah, maybe yeah. on the weekend, I don't want to read tech Twitter. I just want to like see tweets from and I will get some tech Twitter because I have friends in tech or whatever. But like this is just like my and there's there's fun things you can do with like creating a list that's like just full of accounts that are like the really positive, like cute puppy picture accounts. And those are really good lists to have when you're just like, okay, things have been so toxic. I just need to be able to sit and like, right now I just want to look at all, I just want to hear a whole stream of like cute animals. Right. You know, yes. so I, you know, there's some value. So there. I will second that you, you stole my thunder, but that that's my biggest tip. Like, cause every now and again, Twitter gets kind of toxic or you just not in the morning to read it. And then I have, explicitly a list for cute animals and then i have a list for animals and funny stuff right because every now and again uh, i don't even want to read the funny stuff I just are those lists public lists twitter no, or twitter none of my oh. lists are public so, i was gonna say me, though. though if you make a list of like cute animal accounts that's an argument for a list to be made public because you can subscribe to other people's lists Sasha, but the problem is when you subscribe list. to someone feel, else's yeah. list, they come into your feed. They're not like a list you can pick to, I guess. So. I feel really weird when people look at what's on my list. And so like this kind of feels like privacy invasion to me. So I just keep all of them private. I didn't really have any lists when I was following like, you know, 500 people. But when it got to like much more than that, Q to your point, right? Like it just the only way to organize list yeah. once once twitter started sending you a notification when you get added to a list it made lists a really fun passive aggressive thing to be able to do sometimes oh i'm on some very yes. weird ones I'm yeah on some well really weird my lists. my list of yeah, my are. actual <laughs> list of like people like friends i want to follow is called not a total douchebag and it's phenomenal because you I will follow get i'm not on that get, list oh you probably are i oof, yeah, i can are. see which list i'm on dude oh, that's that. shit um, okay, well, we're, it's, Matt, we're, it's time to start to wrap up. Fix that. <laughs> it really actually is. <laughs> All of mine are the worst. She's not using the cherry and Mex keys. You would hear. I her. would if I could. If I could say one final little piece with that, like utilize your walkaway power. Utilize the ability to just shut the damn Twitter app off and walk away. Uh, and I and it's and I I don't I don't say that with any bit of humor to it is that like there's there are things that are bigger than this and twitter itself becomes those moments where like you can get pissed off and it really affects you negatively so shut the app off walk away take a breath uh you know do something to just bring that heart rate down a little bit you'll you'll benefit for that i so okay i will also follow up i and keep following people up but um have at least one friend who understands what twitter is that you can rent to <laughs> yeah because this yeah. is something i didn't expect a shocking number of my like real life friends like people i hang out with people i have known my entire life that i don't know through the tech industry they don't fucking know what twitter is they don't know how to use it they do not have accounts they have zero concept of like Twitter cup culture. They only consume Twitter via screenshots of tweets that get reposted to Facebook. That's how they consume Twitter. And so, yes, it is super important to have a, an actual friend in real life who understands what Twitter is that you can like unload on. Cause most of my friends don't, they have no idea. And that's why the good Lord invented group chats. <laughs> yes. And just as like one more thing for this, when you're in the small fry category, Yo, uh, it can also help with the yo-yo effect that can happen whenever there's a major news cycle and you're seeing major news, dumpster fire, dumpster fire, dumpster fire. Also, can we sell you this product or would you like this free trial? Or did you know that I have this hot take about deploying on Fridays back and forth, back and forth, back and forth down your list? That can be really stressful, actually. So you can find all of uh, all of us on 
on Twitter if you go to the show notes, which you can find other fun links to the show notes, which are at arresteddevops.com slash tech Twitter. Uh, so if you'd like to engage in the discourse of the Twitterness with, uh, with any of our guests, uh, that would be great. Tell us how you're managing tech Twitter, what you're finding interesting. That would be awesome. Uh, if you go to arresteddevops.com slash iTunes, you leave us a review in the iTunes store. It, we are legally obligated to request a review in the iTunes store as being a podcast, apparently. Also, I don't think it's called the iTunes store anymore, but I'm not changing the link. ArrestDevOps.com slash iTunes. Uh, there's probably ways you can leave us reviews other places. You can subscribe to us on Spotify uh, or iHeartRadio or any places that fine and not so fine podcasts can be found. Uh, thanks, Sasha, Aaron, Jeremy, Quintessence, and Kat for uh, joining me today for this this fun little chat about uh, all things Twitter. Or not all things Twitter, some things Twitter. This has been Arrested DevOps. And remember, there is always DevOps. In the banana stand. In the banana stand. Sand. Sand. Sand.